Welcome to the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA. I'm Corbin McGuire with NCAA Communications. And today's guest, frankly, is much better at this than I am. A senior swimmer for West Virginia and host of Queer Mountaineers, I'm pleased to welcome Kayla Gagnon. Kayla, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Of course. Uh, first off, it's a crazy time, obviously, with everything that's going on uh, with the coronavirus and um, social injustice. There's just a lot going on in our country. Uh, how are you right now, just as a student athlete who's had kind of everything thrown at her? Uh, just how are you handling all of this? Yeah. So, well, when it came to COVID, um, I remember we were actually at a swim meet back in March. Uh, a couple of us were in Cleveland uh, competing in a meet. Um, you know, we just swam the morning session and we, I remember I was running late for the meeting, actually. We had a meeting downstairs in the lobby. So like my roommate and I were like scrambling to get out. We had all of our stuff packed up. We had our competition suits ready. Like we were ready to like leave the hotel to go to the uh, final session that night. And I was going to swim for the first time in the relay. So we get downstairs. We missed most of the meeting. Uh, but then it turned, but the only thing we missed really was that we were going back to Morgantown. Uh, we were going back to Morgantown because the rest of the meet had been canceled. Uh, the original setup for the meet had no spectators or anything. So it was just all the teams on deck uh, competing. And then, you know, we swam one session, we come back and we leave that night. Like literally like they said, okay, we're gonna go, go back to your rooms, pack up your things. The rest of the meet's canceled and we're going back home. Like at really kind of the gravity of the situation worldwide. And, you know, especially like in the United States really started to hit when we literally canceled our entire meet to go on a bus and go back to Morgantown and essentially back home because before we went for that meet, um, they extended spring break uh, an extra week. And um, we didn't know what was gonna happen next, you know? So kind of crazy how that all happened. Yeah, no doubt, but I'm glad to hear you're doing well and um, kind of getting readjusted to this new normal we're all going through. Um, but I wanna transition to the main reason we, we asked you to, to come on the show today, um, you have your own podcast, yes, um, and it's a very unique one. So I, I want to ask, first off, can you kind of just give me the origin story of kind of where it came about and why you started it? Absolutely. So my podcast is called Queer Mountaineers. It's basically all about the LGBTQ plus community and its allies in West Virginia, but I've extended it now to have a wide, wider radius with the region of Appalachia. Um, so I started this my summer of my freshman year going into my sophomore year. So I've been working on this for about two years now. And I was like just writing, I have this whole notebook, which I still have, of like how I wanted this podcast to go, what kind of guests I wanted to have on it. And the reason why I created the podcast, um, you know, originally was kind of to get a better touch for this community that I was, you know, just getting into. Because at the time, I was just starting to come out to my family, just starting to come out to friends, because, um, you know, I was being in college allowed me to like be a bit more confident and independent and accepting and loving my identity as a lesbian. And so with this podcast, I really wanted to help like connect with members of my community, um, doing something that I was learning how to do, which was journalism, uh, you know, interviewing people and connecting people on that level. So creating the podcast, um, you know, I just took a chance. I reached out to the director of the LGBTQ plus center, Dr. Chris Mayo, and we had, you know, a conversation in the library. We literally booked a room. I bought two microphones off of Amazon, connected them to my com computer, and recorded the whole thing on GarageBand. 
Um, and, and then I started to learn a little bit more about how uh, the Verse Studio in our Media Innovation Center, which we have on our Evansdale campus, and how that works, um, and you know, how to get, uh, you know, get your podcast on there, like how to, like, as a student, I have free access to it. And, um, you know, that obviously made things a lot easier. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have to worry about technical issues as much. There's some very helpful people that work in the Media Innovation Center that help me set up when I go to record in that studio. Um, but as I started to do the podcast, so season one, um, going into season two, I started to really understand how important a podcast like this was. Because, um, you know, when it comes to representation of the LGBTQ plus community in media, it's very focused on people in the cities where rural areas like in Appalachia and other regions of the South, for instance, it's always treated as this like horrible, like unaccepting, unfriendly place to live. And it's always something to escape. Um, but that's, you know, not true. Like, for instance, in West Virginia, in the last year that I've been doing like this podcast, I've seen pride events show up in a bunch of different small towns in West Virginia, Parkersburg, Morgantown, um, you know, like, you know, like a, you know, like a Marion County, like all of these places, not just Charleston, not just like, you know, bigger cities, these small towns are starting to have pride events. Pass, towns are passing ordinances to protect LGBTQ plus individuals. This was all before the Supreme Court, you know, just, you know, yesterday, like ruled that LGBTQ people cannot be fired for being LGBTQ. Um, and, you know, and seeing how West Virginia is portrayed in the media, especially with like LGBTQ issues, like when uh, Eric Porterfield, for instance, he was a representative in the House of Delegates from Mercer County. Um, he said that he compared the LGBTQ plus community to the KKK, and that got all over national news. People also see, you know, saying all these things about like West Virginians being hillbillies, West Virginians being backwards, things like that. And you know, as someone who's not from West Virginia, I heard all of that before I even went to school there. Um, but getting to know people there, especially through this podcast, has really shown me that you know we need to definitely change the narrative and, you know, show the reality of being queer in West Virginia. Is it like, it can be a scary, it can be a little bit scary to be visibly queer in West Virginia. There is no doubt about that, but you're starting to see more acceptance. I mean, you could see, I mean, look at what just happened with the Supreme Court, you know, like that's huge. That is historic. So, you know, and seeing uh, Rosemary Ketchum was just elected to the Wheeling City Council. She's an openly trans woman, the first openly trans person to win an election and get a position in office in West Virginia. That is huge. That cannot be underestimated. So the podcast is just a way to show the beauty of being queer in West Virginia and Appalachia. And I'm so proud to have like a small like role in this um, you know, in media, like to create a space that wasn't there before. That's amazing. And I, I'm curious if your why has changed. Uh, you mentioned kind of the, the origins and why you wanted to start it. Has that at all shifted or, or enhanced as you've kind of gone through it? Yeah. So, um, I mean, my original idea was to kind of like form connections with my community and Absolutely, I form connections with the community. There is no doubt, and I still want to form connections with the community without a doubt. Uh, but now it's starting to show, like as I went through it, like I said before, it started to show kind of the importance of having a queer podcast like that, like having um, 
you know, a place that focuses on the issues of queer West Virginians and queer Appalachians. It's, um, there's not that many news sources out there that are like that. I mean, there is Queer Appalachia, which is, um, they produce their own like zine and they share the art and news of queer people in, in all of Appalachia. Um, but I haven't really seen too many like queer lens like podcasts in that case. And I have actually had one of the people from Queer Appalachia on the podcast back in season one. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> I want to ask just about the some of the podcast podcast episodes in general. Has there been a conversation that you personally have taken the most away from, or an episode that you, you had the most impact on yourself? Now that you look back on it, yeah, Oof, that's very hard to think because there's so many. There were so many awesome conversations that I've had over the years. Um, you know, like I said, like it's been forever. It's only two years old, but it's really. Some of my favorite episodes have been from, uh, like one of my favorites is from uh, Delegate Daniel Walker. She was the season two, episode one premiere. Um, that was the first episode I've ever recorded where I got like choked up in the middle of it. Uh, she, I don't know if you know Danielle Walker, but she is the delegate represent representative for District 51, which includes Morgantown. She is a strong, badass black woman speaks up for like so many marginalized communities. Like she has lived through so much and all of her experiences have helped her to become an incredible leader an incredible speaker. And it was such an honor to have her on my podcast. Um, and, you know, talking to, uh, for instance, uh, Ash, uh, Ash uh, Cutright, sorry, they changed their last name, but Ash Cutright is the, uh, they are the president of Morgantown Pride. It was really cool to be able to interview them uh, two times, actually. Uh, and they are, like I said, they're the president of Morgantown Pride. And it was really cool to be able to talk to them about what went into creating the first ever Morgantown Pride event. Um, you know, that was, I mean, that happened back in 2019, you know, a year ago. Like there were, um, you know, it was so cool to be able to experience. That was my first ever Pride, actually. I'd never been to a Pride event before that. So being able to kind of learn more about what went into all of the, you know, struggle and hard work that went into creating that event was really impactful as someone who was experiencing their first pride in Morgantown and as someone who, you know, was trying is like learning more about the queer community in West Virginia. And that's really helped to me to cement a good personal relationship with Ash. Um, and I'm really looking forward to doing an episode with other members of the Morgantown Pride board, especially since Pride this year got moved to, I believe it's Labor Day weekend. Um, it was originally supposed to be back in April, but unfortunately COVID and safety reasons, it was not able to happen. Um, and another good episode actually hasn't been released yet. Um, so I really made an effort to include uh, Black voices during this time. Um, I definitely needed to do better in the past, but now's a good, is, you know, like the next, the best time to start was yesterday, but the next best time to start is to start today. I probably butchered that quote by somebody, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so this, uh, he's a poet from, uh, he goes to Marshall University and, you know, I had never heard of this person before he reached out to me and we had a great conversation about like literature and the impact of it with like activism and stuff. Um, especially now, like for instance, uh, the New York Times bestseller list was consisted of all of these different books on anti-racism. And we had a great conversation about that. He even read his poetry on the podcast and I cannot wait to share that with everyone because like I got chills listening to it. And, you know, like he had such beautiful words and it was so fun to talk to him about that and what went into this, these poetry. So I can't wait to share that episode. <laughs> 
Well, you're an expert. You're already teasing future episodes just to make sure people are tuning in. I love it. <laughs> uh, you mentioned some of the, the experiences and the lessons you've gained as a part of this podcast. Um, you know, the pride being one of them, uh, pride event being one of them. Uh, how would you say you've grown or what you've gained as a result of this podcast? What are some you know personal things that you've taken away? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it was a great way to be able to take what I was learning in class about interviewing skills and about editing. Um, you know, it was a great way to uh, like uh, practice those skills and amplify them. Um, and as for like personal things, it's learned, it's taught me to be a better listener. Not just I, I, I love talking. I, I, you know, I, I enjoy talking with people. I get so excited when I have a good, engaging conversation. But it's taught me. Sometimes it's great to just shut up and listen to what someone else has to say. You don't always have to include your opinion. And honestly, that's a valuable lesson that all of us can learn, especially now with like um, these Black Lives Matter uh, protests and, you know, people are starting to collectively wake up to racism that's kind of been baked into the, you know, baked into our society. Um, you know, being able to listen is such a valuable thing that we can do right now, um, white allies can do, read, you know, read resources by written by black writers, um, watch, you know, watch movies starring black actors written by, you know, written by black people, like just being able to listen is incredibly valuable because a lot of the times, um, you know, certain people are always able to have the mic. And something I've learned as a podcast per person, as a media, uh, you know, person working in media is to pass the mic to someone who doesn't often get the ability to have that platform and to be able to speak. So it's been an honor to be able to give this platform, you know, give this space to someone else. Um, and I think that's incredibly important for me to do right now um, during these times where there's so much change. It's not just crazy. I will say crazy, maybe not be the right word to describe it. Tumultuous, maybe. But I think now a lot with like, the pandemic and with um, these protests, I think a lot of people are starting to wake up with some of, to some of the problems that have always existed. And I think that if we, it's it's very uncomfortable. Change is always uncomfortable, but you know, I think that with this discomfort, we can make things better. So it's just it's taught me so much. Being an being a podcaster has taught me so much about how to listen, how to understand other people, and how to amplify those voices that don't often get heard. Of course, uh, it's so well thought out. Um, and I mean, you come from New Jersey, correct? Yes, I do. Uh, I'm curious, I don't, you obviously went to West Virginia because you enjoyed the recruiting process. It was a place you wanted to, to go, but um, you've also, part of your podcast was starting locally and really getting to know the community on a really in-depth level. Uh, what have you learned about the that community through this process uh, and especially the, the LGBTQ community? Yeah. So, um, you know, being on doing this podcast has allowed me a lot of really great connections to people in the community. I did a video project for school um, that I was able to use my platform with my podcast to be able to get people to participate in. And so one of the questions I had, like I said, like five or six questions that I asked every single person. And one of those questions was, why do you stay? West Virginia is kind of experiencing in like a, you know, like a, a, like a decline in population, especially young people around my age. Um, when kids, for example, like, you know, you live in West Virginia, you go to WVU or Marshall or any of the other universities in the state, and then you take your knowledge and go somewhere else with it. 
And I understand, especially with queer people and queer people of color who grow up in this state, I can understand why they want to leave. Um, and I think that's, you know, something that the state, you know, I think that with having more acceptance in government and in local governments, I think that'll help keep people in the state. But one of the questions I always asked was, why do you stay? And one of the common answers was, I love this place. I love the people. I love the community. I love how friendly everyone is. I love the mountains. And the most important and probably the most poignant common answer I got was like, I love this place. If I love this place so much, why wouldn't I want to stay and change it? And that is some, that's probably the most valuable thing I've learned about this community is that is its resilience, but also like it's determined to make things better for the people that come after them. That is definitely something as powerful. And, you know, now I'm starting to get choked up thinking about it. <laughs> um, that's one of the most valuable things I've learned about this community since creating this podcast, for sure. That is powerful. And yeah, you're going to get me misty here. <laughs> uh, but I do want to ask just... Um, What's the feedback been like? What have you what have you heard from people who have listened and have you opened some minds of people who who maybe were um, uneducated or just didn't know much about this community? Yeah. Um, so as for like, I mean, I've received a lot of positive feedback from people in the queer community in West Virginia and um, allies. I'm not sure about people who haven't, like, you know, I haven't heard too much from people who didn't really know much about the queer community before listening to this podcast. I think a lot of my audience consists of a lot of queer folks who kind of just want to be able to hear from people who are similar to them when it comes to like, uh, you know, experiencing queer, growing up queer in West Virginia, for instance. Um, the feedback has been amazing. I went to Morgantown Pride the first time. I wasn't just there as a, you know, person who was participating in the festivities, I was actually there to help promote my podcast. They actually offered me a table there and I had my buttons. I had like these queer mountaineer buttons like on my table. I was giving out stickers, like rainbow tattoos and like just talking with people about the podcast. And, you know, I still get surprised when people come up to me and say, oh, I've listened to your podcast. I think your podcast is really cool. I always get surprised by that still. Um, you know, I have like 300 followers now on Instagram, uh, close to, I, don't remember, I think it's about 300 and like a hundred something on, uh, you know, Twitter and stuff. And I'm still surprised that I get the engagement that I do, but it's so much more meaningful when you get to see someone in person. Says, oh my God, I love your podcast. You know, I'm so excited to, you know, you know, be able to meet you. Like, I'm like, I'm just little old me just trying to like, you know, put something cool out there. So that means so much that people think it's cool too, you know? Um, one of my favorite moments was when I went to Parkersburg Pride. I was actually invited by the two people who helped found Parkersburg Pride after I did an interview with them, um, season finale for season one. And they, you know, they, they invited me to Parkersburg. I had, you know, I got a tent. I had my own like, little table set up. And the coolest thing was that this family came up and then they said like, okay, let's get a picture with the queer mountaineer. So I was like, Oh my God, you know, like I was, you know, I know I'm not a celebrity, but like, hey, people know me and want to take a picture with me. <laughs> and, you know, especially when they said like, if referred to me as the queer mountaineer, I'm like, oh my God, I should have gotten buckskins or something, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, taking pictures, taking selfies with people who, you know, love the symbol, you know, that's something that my university is well known for with the mountaineer. It's the one most recognizable mascots out there. So like kind of having a little like tiny sliver of that, but like queer, I'm like, Ooh, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so I've had some really great engagement. And I was a little sad this year with Pride not being able to meet these people again and like go to other Pride events in the state and be able to celebrate with them. Um, but, you know, people are doing, doing Pride virtually this year, which is really cool. And yeah, I'm trying to do some stuff with Morgantown Pride. We're still nailing down some details, but I think this is supposed to be like a queer symposium. It's gonna be happening soon. I'll be a part of it, so yeah. Very cool. Uh, you hit my next question. Just Obviously it's Pride Month in June. Um, can you just kind of put into your own words just what that month means to you, uh, both uh, just from what you've learned from the podcast and then just um, in general? Yeah. So one of the things that I've been working on with the LGBTQ plus center is learning, uh, is like creating videos on queer history. So Pride, this is the 50th anniversary this year of the first Pride Parade, which happened in 1970 uh, in New York City. It was, I think, originally called the Christopher Street Liberation Day. Um, that was the original name of it. Um, but Pride was a riot. Pride was an uprising. Pride was a protest um, in the, you know, 1969 at the Stonewall Inn that night, um, fighting against police brutality. And so over the years, it's taken a lot of different meanings. Um, in the 80s and 90s, when the um, you know, HIV AIDS epidemic was happening, it was a way to mourn for the people that they lost because you know, so many people were dying at that time from, and like preventable deaths in a lot of cases. Um, so it was also a time to mourn. And it was a protest at the beginning. And then it became more of a celebration going into like the 2000s and 2010s. Um, and right now, we're just throwing it back this year. You know, like 1969 was a, was a, was a, was a you know, fighting against brutality, police brutality, um, led by queer people of color, like, you know, like, a, you know, all of these queer people of color that were leading, trans people of color leading these protests and fighting back against the police. So this year, 2020, we're fight, people are fighting against police brutality and queer people of color, you know, are, should be uplifted during this time, especially. So Pride this year is kind of going back to its roots as exposing and um, you know, fighting back against institutionalized um, racism, uh, transphobia, homophobia, all of that. So if anything, Pride is, orig is, a, is, back, is like original, it's back to what it, what it used to be. So it's, it's a capital, like Pride is a way to celebrate mourn and protest and i think this year with these protests i think it's absolutely authentic authentically pride and earlier in this conversation you mentioned um just the importance of allies and um maybe how allies can help in this you know march for equality and equity um how can someone be an, an ally to the LGBTQ plus community? What, what advice would you have for someone who, who wants to, to take that step forward? Yeah, I say for anyone who wants to be an ally to a marginalized group, queer community, black community, other people of color, is to know that you don't know everything. You know, to it's important as an ally to be able to know when to speak out and know when to stop talking. To be able to, you know, give your, you know, like platform, no matter how small it is, someone else who doesn't have that same voice, you know, has, doesn't have like the, sorry, does have the voice, but doesn't have the means of like reaching their message to other people. I think with um, this current movement that's going on right now, it's allowed a lot of people to get access to resources that, you know, about anti-racism, about, you know, 
like how to fight back against that and how to change things comes from retweeting um, people on Instagram or retweeting people on Twitter. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, ten, I'm Gen Z millennial. I should know this, right? <laughs> As being an ally means, um, you know, it also means like, you know, it also is like part of being a good person is to do good even when no one's watching. So that also doesn't just mean retweeting uh, you know, anti-racism resources just for your group of friends that follow you on Instagram and agree with you. Or why do you saying Instagram and retweet? Oh my goodness. Uh, it's not just posting things for people who agree with you. It's important to share those resources. But also it's important to have those conversations with your relatives who might make a racist joke at Thanksgiving. Or, you know, say, you know, or like say a homophobic comment or a transphobic comment about like a celebrity or something. It's also about having those difficult conversations with people in your life and people that you care about who might not understand, uh, you know, what's going on in the same way that you do. So being a good ally means listening. It means amplifying the voices of people who don't often get listened to. And it means constantly educating and re-educating yourself. Um, I remember there was, I can't remember her name right now. I think, I can't remember her name, but she was on Oprah and she's an expert on anti-racism. And she said like, racism is something that's learned. If you can learn it, you can unlearn it. So homophobia can be unlearned. Transphobia can be unlearned. You know, sexism can be unlearned. So as long as you're constantly educating yourself and reading reading different resources written by people who are marginalized and, you know, learning what, you know, learning when to stop talking, that's absolutely important to, you know, keep in mind. <laughs> sure. That's very well said and uh, kind of playing off that in a, in a different direction. Um, you, you mentioned you, you kind of started to become comfortable with yourself and your identity as you got to West Virginia. I'm curious if, um, if and how the, the, the LGBTQ center on campus um, helped you with that or just the, the benefits of that center in general? Yeah, so I didn't really go to the center too much, especially when I was um, a freshman, um, just because I was still like a little nervous to be associated, to associate myself with, you know, being gay yet. Not that I was like, you know, I was still like, I understood myself as a lesbian at that time and I accepted that, but I was still kind of nervous. Like I was okay with it, but I was nervous about other people being okay with it. But having the center on campus has meant that we've had really cool events on campus. Like, um, you know, uh, they had like a drag show this past year on campus. And that meant like kids who weren't old enough to go to vice versa, which is our local uh, gay bar, were able to see drag queens perform and you know they go went up through the audience and learn about the history of drag from the you know the director of the center so it's not just for as a student the lgbtq center has made a lot of awesome events for people that don't even go to the university too so that center is absolutely valuable for everyone and you know as someone who's starting to get more comfortable who was starting to get more comfortable with the community these events have helped that with you know getting to know names and also eventually some of them were podcast guests you know so <laughs> We know you're a podcast star, but uh, I want to now, you know, turn over to your Division One swimming career yeah. and maybe how your student athlete experience um, has helped you grow or what you've really gained from being able to be a student athlete. 
Yeah. So being a student athlete, it has taught me discipline. It's taught me how to manage my time wisely. So as someone who is not only a student athlete, but also a podcast host and producer, and, uh, you know, I used to work for the student newspaper and I created videos for them too. And, you know, all of like, I, and like I also did, I also was a swim coach. I mean, I still am once school gets started again. So I had all of these different things to balance and maintain and swimming taught me how to stay on time with things, learn how to prioritize what I need to do first. Um, you know, like I have, this is due tomorrow. This is due tonight at midnight. Like I know what I'm going to be doing first, you know, um, it's definitely taught me grit. It's taught me, you know, how to dig my heels in when things get difficult. It's, you know, it's helped, helped me get through a hard set. It's helped me get through a hard day with a lot of interviews and editing to do and hard schoolwork. But it's also taught me when to step back and to take a break. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's taught me to like, if, for example, like, um, especially once the set's over and, you know, like it's taught me the importance of like a warm down, for instance, like taking a break and doing a warm down, um, you know, being able to go hard when you need to, but you need to like also warm down the pool, stretch, do yoga, relax. That's important for anyone who wants to be a successful student athlete, but anyone who wants to be a successful person. So, uh, you know, I've learned to, I've learned to my body's limits. Um, you know, for instance, I'm having some finger troubles right now with, a cause I've been working at my computer so much. I've learned to take a break from that and like, you know, use a pillow and I just bought a mouse. So learning your limits has definitely been a very valuable lesson that something has taught me that way too. A pillow. I'm going to I'm gonna have to follow that one. I, know, I, I, I thought that would work. You know, I worked yesterday. My finger hurts less today, which is good. But I have this like little like squishy pillow. Like it's like tiny little pillow that I bought at Kroger of all places. And I just like put it like under my arms and that way my hands are more positioned to type better. <laughs> It, it, it didn't feel bad today, so I guess it's working, right? <laughs> Whatever works. Uh, no judgment here. Yeah. Obviously, you're, you're going into your senior year. Um, a, how kind of crazy does that seem? I, I'm sure it's flown by. Um, and B, what, what are your plans um, after graduation? If, if that's too much to ask, we can skip that one, too. That's all good. I, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just on the cusp of my senior year, so I'm like, I already have to get used to that question of, what are you going to do after graduation? Um, I'm very grateful for the experience something is giving me. Uh, I'm able to go through, go to a school that I really like and, you know, graduate, you know, because uh, I'm on scholarship, I'll graduate virtually debt-free, which is incredibly valuable in today's world where student debt is horrifying to look at with those numbers um and swimming you know it's been a part of my life since I was five years old my first time I ever joined a swim team I was five so I've been doing this so I'm 21 right now so I've been doing this for 16 years this sport has been a part of my life for 16 years it's crazy to think about my first swim lesson was when I was like two or three years old so I have always been in a pool it's gonna be very interesting to see what my life is like when swimming isn't a huge part of it you know um and I mean I'm already kind of getting a taste for that right now because I haven't been in the pool since March um and I you know like I said I'm very grateful for all that something has given me it's you know definitely shaped me into the person that I am today like I said taught me discipline taught me all of those things um but for after graduation something will still be part of my life it'll still be like a, a form of exercise that I'll do I think it's like it's not the easiest exercise to do it is not the easiest but for me, he's done it for so long. Getting back in the water and swimming is probably one of the 
you know, easiest ways to fall back on to do exercise. You burn so much calories and you get to like, you know, work out your entire body. So then you can do the rest of your life. I'll probably be a wrinkled old lady jumping in a pool at a gym someday. Like I'll do that. Maybe it will be wrinkled because I take care of my skin very well. So, <laughs> but, um, and then, like I said, I, I mentioned this before we did our interview that I'm doing um, a grad program. I don't know if you, I, I think I should learn in that conversation, but anyway, I will be doing a grad program. Uh, I'm doing the four plus one program at WVU, which is a really cool program where basically you can start your graduate degree while you're still an undergrad. So next semester, I will be starting out uh, my grad school year while finishing up my senior year. So I'll have one grad level course and the rest of my undergrad, and I'll take another grad level course next semester. And then I'll use like a, about a year, you know, half a year to take the rest of my uh, graduate credits. And that's why it's called four plus one. And then I'll graduate, walk across the degree, it's watched across the stage, uh, two degrees hotter, you know. <laughs> Uh, corny joke. I've been waiting to use that for an Instagram caption for that graduation date, you know, two degrees hotter just to brag a little bit. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. You've obviously uh, taken a lot from the student athlete experience. You've handled it really well and uh, you've done the, the most I feel like you can. You've really made the most of this time. Um, with that in mind, and you kind of mentioned some, you know, tidbits earlier, but um, to incoming freshmen, what would your advice be? Um, especially, I gotta say for incoming freshmen, um, you don't have to like, you know, it's important to work hard, but also learn to have fun at the same time. It's sometimes it's okay to step away from the computer, step away from the flashcards and go watch like something on Netflix for a little bit because you're downtime is just as important as the time that you're working. Um, you're not going to be a student athlete forever. You're, uh, and you're not going to be a student forever. Um, so, you know, go to Fall Fest, go to, uh, you know, go to the PRT cram. Um, you know, it's okay to have fun, but like, don't make that, you know, and be important. Like, don't make that all encompassing, you know, don't only just have fun. It's all about balance. It's all about moderation. Um, so balance is very important, but one of the things that I've learned is to like, you, you know, that working, you know, working hard uh, is absolutely important, but it's important to also know when to, what your limits are. Because I've worked myself into panic attacks before. Um, I have, you know, and then and I've, I've dealt with depressive episodes. Um, you know, I have dealt with a lot of mental health issues before. Um, and how I learned to, how I've learned to handle them was simply by like just taking a step away from some of your responsibilities for a little bit. So that way they don't weigh down on you too much. That's absolutely valuable. Um, college is a very, it's a very eye-opening experience. You're gonna learn and meet a lot of interesting people from different experiences than you. And you're gonna have to learn how to get along with all of them. That's absolutely valuable for, you know, life. You're not always gonna work with someone that you like. Um, and as an athlete, like, it's kind of like your first job. It's kind of like your first job when you get out of school. You're going to, your, your coach can be like your boss. Your teammates can be like your coworkers. Um, and it can be a great experience and you can make it a great experience. So hopefully that did not come off as rambling as I thought it did. <laughs> no, I think that was a perfect way to, to end this conversation. Kayla, thanks so much for joining us and sharing so much of your story about your podcast and yourself. Uh, Andrew, just an insight in general. It's been been a pleasure. 
thank you so much for having me. Thank you for, you know, interviewing me and all that stuff. It's an, you know, it's an honor to be able to be recognized for my work and it really does mean a lot and your time means a lot. So thank you for taking your time out of your day to talk with me. Of course. That does it for this edition of the College Sports Insider presented by the NCAA. Thanks for tuning in.